All right, guys, we're back for the second part of episode 91, and let's continue. And we're going to continue with uh, talking about Stevens versus Cater. Sorry that I got a little, you know, tied up in terms of uh, how I was explaining the fight. You know, it was just, <laughs> I've been talking a lot lately, you know what I mean? But uh, no excuses. We're going to just wrap it up a little bit. So what I said was, the thing about Cater against Stevens was he was constantly, at the beginning, you know, like I said, Stevens was able to push him back and get him against the fence. That was where his best options were going to be, was pushing forward, getting in the face of Kelvin, and trying to rip shots to the body and rip shots up top, but kind of just come in guns blazing. You got to try to take him out. Because if you try to play a game of technique against a guy like Kelvin Cater, it's not going to work. You have to be, you have to close off the distance so he can't land his long shots and keep you at range. Like I said, Kelvin likes to use that long three, two, that beautiful one, two with no fat in the movement. It just comes out just bop, bop. And, uh, you know, Stevens did well at first, but Cater was starting to read the wide shots of Jeremy Stevens. Everything Stevens was throwing was telegraphed. It was getting blocked and countered or getting, uh, he would slip and then counter or just be able to slip out of the way. And towards the end of the first round, or you know what, I believe it was actually toward in the beginning of the first round, um, Cater landed a beautiful one, two, bop, bop. And uh, it stunned Stevens badly. And he backed up to the fence and just kind of covered up. And uh, yeah, it was at the end of the fight, at the end of the first round. So he landed a one-two, um, and it just co he covered up because you knew it, it caught him on the chin. And then Cater landed a beautiful long hook cross, but instead of going with the cross, he used the cross to uh, load up that left hip and land that beautiful left shot to the body. That's really the best part about Kelvin Cater is his jab, his one-two, his three-two, and his hooks to the body, and then using that deep hook to the body to load up the hip again and go with the uppercut up the middle. And that's what he was doing against Stevens. He was just bop, 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 bop. And then Stevens would come in, he'd cover, he'd use uh, you'd use the lead hand to measure the range and uh, just try to get out of the way and circle away from the power. And uh, Stevens tried to, you know, move in with a kick and then, you know, use like the pity pack shots and maybe was going to try to catch Kelvin on the exits with the hooks, but it wasn't able to work because Kelvin was able to read it and counter circle. If you counter circle the opponent to where they want you to circle, um, it doesn't work. And the ending, obviously one of the most brutal finishes in that I've seen in a very long time. And, uh, that was the elbow finish of Kelvin Cater on Jeremy Lil Heathen Stevens. And the reason why it worked, let's go over the finish really quick. So they're in range. It looks like Stevens is loading up the right hip, right? So when he loads up that right side, you know the power right hand or a long right, uh, either an uppercut from that right side, the long uppercut that like he used to catch RDA with, or an overhand right is going to come. And you could see him load it because he keeps his hands so low. He doesn't keep his hands up high. And he saw that Stevens was going to load it up, and he knew that he might be a little too close to get full extension on that one-two. He was a little too close in terms of the range. He would have had to take a half step back or maybe a full step back so that he could come in with full extension. So instead of doing that, he cut the range in half and he threw an elbow. He saw that Stevens was in, in close range, close enough because he used the, the hands to uh, measure. He keeps the hands out in front of him. He uh, puts them out, and he knows where the, that's just to gauge the range and see where you're at, and then he'll go either 3-2 or 1-2. But in this case, he kept the range. He kept the range. He knew that he wasn't in range to land 
the long two. So what he did is he held off on the head of Stevens with that left hand and he used it to guide himself into the right elbow. He guided Jeremy Stevens head into the right elbow. Boom, boom, landed right on the chin of Jeremy Stevens and dropped him viciously. He went down like a sack of potatoes. Kelvin Cater jumped on it and bop, 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 bop. Second round TKO for the Boston finisher, Kelvin Cater. And I've talked about Cater for a really long time. I've always said that this guy is a problem and he could be your next champ at 145. I think he gives anybody in that top five a run for their money and could beat anybody. He's beat Shane Burgos. You see how good Burgos looked. He knocked out Jeremy Stevens. First guy to ever finish Jeremy Stevens, might I add. Um, another thing, I think against Holloway, he does very well because he can play at range as well. And I think that he's a he's a better striker than Max Holloway. I'll, I'll say that. A better boxer. Let me put it that way. He has better hands and better IQ in terms of boxing than Max Holloway. In terms of, you know, all-around striking and footwork. I think footwork, they might cancel each other out, but all around MMA striking, I think Holloway has an advantage. But I think against Holloway, against the Korean Zombie, against Zabit again, against anybody in that top five, he could beat them. He could beat Volkanovsky. He could beat Holloway. He could beat the Korean Zombie. And uh, the reason why the finish worked so well, and uh, I think a lot of people didn't, I know that when the finish happened, I didn't think that it was an elbow. I thought it was a right cross. And a lot of people I talked to said they thought it was a punch too until I saw the replay. And you know why he cut that in half? I might have already said this too, but you know why he cut that punch in half? Was because he knew, like I said, that the range wasn't long enough to get full extension on that right hand and step in with that one-two. If he was gonna, if he stepped in with the one-two, he would have got crowded or the punch would have gone past Stevens and he would have been knocked off balance. So what he did is he knew he was in range. He, he put like the hand on the head of Stevens. He looked like he was going to throw a cross, but he cut it. He cut the distance in half with the elbow. So he knew that since he was too far or too close to get full extension on a right hand, he cut the path of travel for the strike in half. So the elbow landed and it was perfect. One uh, frame off, boom, right elbow. Stevens went down, just folded and jumped on top of him in a finish. Um, unbelievable performance. Like I said, he's probably going to be ranked, you know, sixth or seventh in that featherweight division now. And who do I think should be next for him? Um, a hundred percent honesty. I think, uh, let's see, let's look at featherweight really quick. I think, uh, let's see. So if he's ranked seventh, okay. So he was nine. Now he's ranked seventh. So he's got Frankie Edgar above him. He's got Yair. He's got the Korean zombie. He's got Sabit. He's got Ortega. He's got Holloway and he's got the champ. I'm pretty sure Holloway and Volkanovsky will be fighting, so you take those guys out. I think I think Ortega and Zabit are more than likely going to fight. If not, it'll be Chan Sung Jung and Brian Ortega. I think Ortega will be back soon. But who do I think should be next for Cater? I mean, Cater fought Zabit to a close decision. If you're going to give Cater Zabit again, it has to be five rounds. But I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to do Ortega versus Zabit. So what I would do is do number seven ranked Kelvin Cater versus the Korean Zombie. Give me Chan Sung Jung, number four, versus number seven, Kelvin Cater. I think that's the way you got to go, and it's perfect. If he wins that fight, he's right up there for number one contender at 145. And this guy could knock out anybody. He could beat anybody in that division, and I think people realize it now. And if you want to learn more about Kelvin Cater, I have a Double Trouble Breakdown, a three-part episode, I believe, on uh, Kelvin Cater's fights, his tendencies, and why what makes him so good in terms of striking in the UFC. Um, up next... On the main card, a fight that lasted about, you know, one sec. It lasted 20 seconds. 
and it was Jerzinho Rosen strike against Francis Ngannou. And uh, the fight started out, and the problem with the fight immediately was that Jerzinho Rosenstrike didn't set up his kicks. He didn't really try to throw a lot of punches. He tried to uh, counter Francis coming in with that. You know how he likes to like fake the right hand and then come in with that left uh, inside or outside low kick? So that's kind of what he did. He came in, boom, tried to throw an outside low kick. Um, I believe he might have th tried to throw a lead high kick prior to that, and Francis just pushed forward. And he backed him up. He came in. And the reason why you have this is why you have to set up your kicks with your punches. If you don't set up your kicks with your punches, you don't know if the range is perfect to land the kick. Punches to kicks are going to get the opponent to be occupied up top. So then you can land either low, middle, or high with a kick. You want them to be occupied so you can open up the lane for the kicks. The problem with Jerzinho Rosenstrike is he didn't. He threw the kick and he immediately thought that Francis was going to come into range so he could counter with that overhand uh, check right hook like he did to Arlovsky. And uh, I think that's what his plan was, was to throw the body kick, get Francis to rush in and counter. But the problem was Francis read it before he even fully extended on the kick. Francis came in, right hook, left hook, right hook, boom, left hook to the chin. I'm pretty sure it was a left hook. Caught um, Jerzinho on the chin, and uh, he went out cold completely. Vicious vicious knockout boom bop and dropped him and uh vicious 22nd ko um what's next for francis it's got to be a title shot you, you got no choice now he beat one of the guys that i thought was had a good chance of beating him it didn't happen so you have to give francis either stipe you either give him the winner you give him dc or you give him the winner of stipe versus dc and there's no other fight to give him because he's beat everybody else He's beat everyone. I thought Jerzinho was going to be a tough matchup, and Francis just destroyed him. So you have to give Francis a title shot. He's technically right now, in my opinion, he's the, the interim heavyweight champion. I, I mean, we don't know where Stipe is. We don't know when he's going to be back. But uh, he's more than likely, it looks like they're setting up the trilogy bout between him and Stipe. So that's what they did. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, you got to give him a title shot. And then in the co-main event, a heartbreaker for me. Dominic Cruz gets knocked out in the second round with two seconds left in the round by the messenger, Triple C, Henry Cejudo, to retain the Bantamweight Championship and then retire. Yep. Cejudo announced his retirement, said he, he wants to have a family. He, he wants to build his family. He's done everything he can in the sport, and uh, he's, he's gone. So he's more than likely relinquishing the Bantamweight Championship is it a ploy to get more money and come back and fight? You know, honestly, if I'm Cejudo, I've done everything that, you know, I could. I beat the best guys in the division. I beat the pound-for-pound pound greatest considered uh, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. I beat a guy who people thought was going to beat Mighty Mouse in TJ Dillashaw, and I beat him immediately in about, you know, 30 seconds. And then now I beat the best bantamweight of all time, Dominic Cruz, albeit controversially, but, I, but you know, he still defeated him. He got the job done. Um, in the fight, honestly, um, Cejudo did a great job with the low kicks. Right away, he would set up top, you know, pop, 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 boom, low kick. Fake, 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 chop with the low kick. And, you know, uh, we saw that low kicks were a little bit of a problem for Dominic because he, he relies so heavily on being able to uh, switch his feet, dart in, um, cut off angles on the cage, um, slip left and right, um, cut in with that bump with the left hip or right hip to uh, cut off the opponent and then land a combination and get out of the way. And uh, in the first round, it was all Henry. 
you know, Dominic didn't really have an answer for it. Um, like I said, Henry would pop, 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 chop the low kick, pop, 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 chop the low kick inside, outside, go across the legs and then go up top with some good punches. Um, but the low kicks were really the key for Henry Cejudo. And, uh, another thing that made it so effective was that he didn't bite on a lot of the feints of Dominic Cruz. He did in the second round. And that's when I think Dominic was starting to pick up the timing of Henry. Now, I don't think it should have been stopped. I don't. I do think he did get rocked. Um, I believe Henry, obviously he landed with a knee. Um, It was a knee up the middle. Um, Dominic threw like he was backed up. He threw like a left uppercut. It looked like he was going to throw like a left wide uppercut, right uppercut, left uppercut. Um, I believe he threw the right uppercut and then lowered his level. Like he was either going to go left hook to the body or he was going to shoot a takedown to try to uh, get in close and then remain in the fight until the end of the round. So it was bop, bop, bop. And then as he threw that other punch, which I believe, like I said, if he was up against the fence, it was right, left, right. I think it was a right hook and he, and he lowered his level because, because Henry was starting to bite on the feints in the second round. And, uh, Dominic did well in that second round. He was starting to pick up on it, and he was starting to get Henry to bite on the feints. You could see Henry, you know, he would freeze for a second. Dom would pop the jab. Dom landed a good uh, one-two. One-two wide hook. One-two step <laughs> One-two step in overhand right. He landed bop, bop, bop. Um, some good shots, but uh, he got caught, and he got hit with a knee, pushed him down. Um, Henry sniped him with a right hand as he got knocked on the floor, um, jumped on him. Tried to finish him off, and uh, the ref jumped in. Two seconds left. I think you. I think you have to let that fight go. One hundred percent honesty. I think you have to let that fight go on. It's Dominic. Let him go out. He hasn't fought in a long time, and I know he ex- he said you know he smelled like alcohol and cigarettes and you know all the all the stuff like that. But to be honest with you, um, that that's fine. And if it was, that's awful. And I feel bad for Dom. And you know, Dom's my one of my all time favorite fighters. It's GSP. It's Dominic Cruz. Those are my those are my top two all time favorites. And uh, to see him go out like that, you know, it was rough for me. And, and I was pretty pissed at the stoppage. Um, Dom said he's not going to retire. He will come back. So I expect him to be back, maybe July. Um, I think I think he didn't take too much damage. I think maybe July, August, um, Dominic will come back. And you know, it is what it is. He got caught. Um, Peterson jumped in. Dominic was getting up to his feet as he jumped in. And that's that's the problem is he did take like five, six, seven shots to the head and his head was down on the mat. But as Peterson, Keith Peterson went to jump in, Dominic was working his way back up to the feet with the hands and then getting his butt back to the fence and uh, starting to work his way up. Um, shitty timing. I think you let that fight go and let Dom go into the next round. I mean, yes, he got hurt. Yes, he was probably going to get finished. And maybe would have lost the fight anyway with how big of a shot he took. But I think you gotta let Dom, you gotta let Dom fight out of it. Let him go out. You know, I don't want to see a guy take excess damage, but it's the best bantamweight of all time. It's it's you know the reigning defending champion for how many years? And I know in coming back from all these injuries, and you gotta let that fight play out. But it is what it is. Um, Cejudo retires, and now what what's next for the bantamweight division? Um, honestly, I think you run a you run a, like a four man, eight man bantamweight tournament. I think that's what you got to do. Um, I think in terms of the division as a whole, in terms of the title fight, um, Dana White said it's going to be Piotr Jan versus somebody. It's going to be Jan versus somebody for the vacant title. Um, I love it. I think Jan deserves the title shot 100%. I think that if Jan and Cejudo would have fought, I think Jan would have schooled them. I think I've taught, I did a breakdown on Piotr Jan too. You know, we were ahead of the game with these breakdowns and 
you know, he, he's phenomenal. He, he's an amazing striker, phenomenal boxing, phenomenal footwork, phenomenal management of range and distance, and just a, a really good striker and, and one of the best fighters in the world at 135 pounds. So if I'm going to do a bantamweight tournament, here's what I do. You do the number three ranked Piotr Jan versus No Mercy versus the number two ranked Aljamain Sterling. You do that in June or July. I know, uh, I'm pretty sure that Aljamain's going to end up fighting um, Corey Sandhagen. I think that he said he was in the works for June 6th. If not, let's do Piotr Jan, Aljamain Sterling for June 6th. Neither of them have fought in a while, and uh, you could get the bantamweight division back up and running right away. And then if Henry decides to come back, you know, you do it that way. Up next, you have the number one ranked Magic Marlon Marias versus number four ranked Corey the Sandman Sandhagen. Um, I think this is a phenomenal fight to make. It makes sense. Um, I thought Aljamain and Corey Sandhagen were going to fight. That might be what happens. If you don't have that, then you could just rebook the fight. Piotr Jan versus Marlon Marias, which would be number three versus number one for the Bantamweight Championship. But I think that Marlon didn't look so good against Aldo. I thought that Aldo beat Magic Marlon Marias. So I think you, could, uh, you couldn't give him a title shot and have it be warranted right now. Obviously, he beat Aldo, but, you know, it is what it is. He didn't do it that impressively. So I think Jan versus Sterling for the championship is is the way to go. I think Marias versus Sandhagen, that's number one versus number four. Uh, you've got um, Cody Garbrandt. I messaged him on uh, Twitter the other day. He said he is looking to fight a Sun Tzu on June 6th and come back. So it's looking like number five versus number nine. So a Sun Tzu versus Garbrandt. And then uh, the other fights for the division that I really like, Go like this. You want Dominic to come back? You got to give him a big name. I think uh, Dominic Cruz versus Jose Aldo. That's number six versus number 12. Dom shouldn't be ranked that low, but he's been gone for a long time and he lost the champion. But let's do Aldo versus Cruz. That's a fight I think a lot of people wanted to see for a long time. And now they're in the same weight class. So give me that fight. Um, Cruz versus Aldo. And then I would do number seven ranked Pedro Munoz. Versus number eight ranked Jimmy Rivera. I think this fight's perfect. It's phenomenal. It works out well for the division. I think that both guys are really good on the feet. In the grappling department, um, I give the advantage to Pedro Munoz all day. He's uh, phenomenal at jiu-jitsu. Really good leg locks. Can enter leg locks from the feet. From caught kicks like he tried to do against Cody Garbrandt. He has a finish over the former champion in Cody Garbrandt. But then lost to Aljamain Sterling at UFC 238. So go number seven versus number eight. Munoz versus Rivera. You know, both guys are good on the feet. Rivera has really good low kicks, and uh, so does Pedro Munoz and good boxing. Um, I think the box, this would just be a phenomenal fight. It would be a striker's matchup, um, beautiful mixed martial arts, and I think that's where you go. And then the final fight I would do for the bantamweight division is the number 10-ranked Rob Font. Give him the winner of the May 16th cards, uh, Marlon Chito Vera and uh, Song Yedong. That's what you got to do. So my, my fights for the bantamweight division, Jan versus Sterling, Marias versus Sandhagen, Asuncao versus Garbrandt, Aldo versus Cruz, Munoz versus Rivera, and Rob Font versus, I'll say Chito Vera beats Sadong. So Rob Font versus uh, Marlon Chito Vera. And if I was just going to give you my winners, I think Jan beats Sterling. I think it's a tough fight, but I think Jan beats it. Beats him based on the techniques and uh, how good he is technically. I think he's just too much for Aljo. So I'd go Jan versus between Marlon and Sandhagen. I don't know. I'm going to give Sandhagen the advantage, to be honest. I don't know why. I just think so. So it would be Jan versus Corey Sandhagen. Um, 
You could do a rematch between Sterling and Marice. And then you have a Sunsaw versus Garbrandt. I think Garbrandt gets the nod. You got Aldo versus Cruz. I think Cruz uh, beats Aldo. So it'd be Cruz versus Garbrandt, too. It'd be Jan versus Sandhagen. You could do Marias versus Sterling, too. And then Munoz versus Rivera. I give the advantage to Munoz. And uh, Rob Font versus uh, Marlon Vera and Sonia Dong. I'll say Rob Font. So Munoz versus Rob Font. Um, Jimmy Rivera versus either Chito Vera or uh, Sonia Dong because they would work out together. And I know Rivera is injured, but it would work out because it was a fight that was previously booked. And then uh, Cruz versus Garbrandt, too. And uh, Sandhagen versus Jan. That's what you got to do. And I think that works out. Marias versus Eljo, number two. Um, everything kind of would work out perfectly for that division. Um, I was going to do predictions for the card tonight. I forgot that the card tonight, um, obviously, main event. Um, Anthony Smith versus Glover Teixeira in the light heavyweight division. Co-main event is uh, Ovin St. Peru moving up to light to heavyweight to fight Ben Rothwell. Um, Alexander Hernandez versus Drew Dober. I might put my predictions out when I get home, but it's going to be too late because the card's already going to be going. So um, I might put it in the description of this episode. So if you're listening to this episode, and I'll put it in my description on YouTube when I upload it. And then um, I'll post it on my social media. Follow me at armbarnation316 on Twitter and gloriousm&m on Instagram. That's G-L-O-R-I-O-U-S-M-A-N-D-M on Instagram. So check those out. I'll have the predictions up. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed. Like I said, if you like the Touch Em Up podcast, you got to get it out to all your friends, family, girlfriends, boyfriends, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, nieces, nephews, anybody you know who's a fan of professional wrestling or mixed martial arts, get this episode out to them. Um, get the Touch Em Up podcast out to them. Leave a review for me on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, anywhere you could leave a review. Subscribe to me on YouTube at Touch Em Up Pod. That's T-O-U-C-H apostrophe E-M-U-P exclamation mark P-O-D three exclamation marks on uh, YouTube and just show the love, show the support. Thank you guys for listening. And we'll be back with the next episode. This has been episode 91, part two of the touch em up podcast. I'm your host double M and I'm out. Have a good night, everybody. All right.